young man who's really on fire for God is a man by the name of Yanni. Um, he's Finnish, but he grew up in South uh, America. His parents were missionaries. And uh, he's quite a dynamic character, very gifted, very talented in many ways. Anyway, I was talking to Yanni, and I said, Yanni, you know, it's wonderful to see a young man so sold out for God. Um, I said, just tell me a little bit about how you got into your relationship with the Lord. And he said, oh, that's easy to answer. I said, why? He said, because if you'd seen some of the things that I've seen, you couldn't do anything else but believe with all of your heart. He said, I remember being in a meeting once, and just as we've had here and do have on many Sundays, words that are given out. If people respond, they're not just given in vain. I believe in the power and the gifts of God's Holy Spirit. If God's speaking, it's for a purpose. It's for you to listen. Sometimes we rush on with the meeting, I think. But that's another story. But except to say that when God speaks, just ask the Lord. Well, I go so far as to say, you know when God's speaking to you. You know, because deep inside... Anyway, Yanni said he was only a little lad, about the age of seven or eight. And they'd had a wonderful meeting, great, what we call revival meeting, where the power of God was present. And if you don't know, in South America, it's been incredible, been turned upside down from a very dead form of Catholicism and uh, into a great powerful form of the living spirit, the Pentecostal power of God. It's just staggering. And he was, as a child, brought up in those, uh, right in the heart of that. And he said he was in one meeting, it had been a wonderful meeting. People had got right with God, they'd given their lives to the Lord. And then uh, a person just came up and he said, look, I know this meeting's closing. He said, but I have a very important message that God's put on my heart. And he said, the message is this, that there's somebody here who's seen all that's happened and he's never responded. And God is saying that this is your last chance. And so uh, Yanni just, you know, as a child, just sort of where the meeting was going on. And he said, but before anything could happen, he heard this noise and there was this uh, priest that ran down and he took his collar off and he went over to the microphone. And he just said, I want to tell you. He said, that person's me. He said, I've had a lot of religion, but I've been resisting the power of God and the life of God. And I want to tell you from this moment on, I'm utterly and completely going to give my life to God. I just turn from everything that's been just religious and following the Lord. And of course, the people cheered with the meeting that he was in. And he, uh, Yanni said in this uh, a priest came down off the stage. He got to the bottom of the stage and he had a massive heart attack. And he said, you know, as, as a young boy, he said, wow, <laughs> when you hear the word of God, when you see that, and he told me other stories, which I haven't got time to uh, tell you now, but when you see the power of God just come in mighty ways, he said, so I've never not walked with God uh, from, from that time onwards. And I said, I just wish that all young people would realize the power of the living God and walk in this way and see the signs and the miracles. But you know where the signs and the miracles are going to begin? Inside of you. It's the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead. 
that lives inside of you. Now, I said at the start as well that this uh, time is actually the time of Passover. And wonderfully, for so many of us who honor and thank God for our uh, Hebraic roots, uh, this uh, coincidence of Passover and the Easter season uh, coinciding is a real uh, blessing. And at this time, all around, on the first two days of Passover, the Jews celebrate this meal, which is called a Seder meal, which we heard before, and we had a type of it last night. We didn't have the uh, full one, because it just takes all evening. And you must realize that the power is not in the synagogue, but it's in the home. And this is the challenge to Christians, that you know, you've not just got to be a Christian when you're in church or with other Christians. You've got to be a 24-7. Even if you're in the RAF, is that right? <laughs> Great to see you. Praise the Lord. God has got his people all over the place. God wants you to be a living witness to him, but first and foremost in your own home and in your own life. And I'd like to just show you a clip of a great colleague and friend of mine, uh, Jürgen. Pete knows very well. We work together. And he wants to invite you into his, his home in Jerusalem for a, just a small part of the Seder meal, the Passover meal, which is symbolic, of course, of the Last Supper. So, hopefully, if everything's working, thanks, Joel. Jewish families gather to celebrate the faithfulness of God and to remember the miraculous deliverance from the bondage of Egypt through a ceremonial meal known as the Passover Seder. In part two of Passover, A Deeper Look, Dr. Jürgen Bühler shares an added dimension of celebration, not only for Jewish people, but also for us as believers in Yeshua the Messiah. And as they celebrate it, they commemorate, again, like we said, the pierced and the striped body of our Lord that was broken for us. He broke it, and at that point, he broke the tradition of the Passover Seder. And he said, take and eat it, this is my body. He then took after the meal the cup, and then he blessed it, and as he was handing it over to his disciples, he said, this is my blood that was shed for you. And what Jesus was telling his disciples, he said, I'm the Passover lamb. I'm the one who is shedding my blood for you and giving my, my body for your atonement. So I believe this was an unforgettable Passover evening for the Jewish people. And for us as believers, it's important that we are reminded that 
communion is not a new Christian tradition that the Roman Catholic Church or any denomination started, but it was a part of a regular Passover meal. Whenever we celebrate communion, we actually are re-celebrating one segment of every Passover meal that the Jewish people are celebrating in a way that Jesus says, I'm the fulfillment of that. In the book of Matthew, um, chapter 26, verse 30, he says, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And usually you overread that. But at the end of a Passover, there is a passage that is called the Hallel. And the Hallel is uh, a selection of psalms. It is Psalm 115 to 118. And those psalms are read at every year's Passover celebration. So when Jesus was uh, installing and instating the communion with his disciples, he didn't stop there and says, okay, now we are on the new covenant, but he actually continued with the Seder, with the same tradition, like all the people in Israel. They were singing the Hallel, the same psalms that the Jewish people are singing today all over the world. And my favorite psalm there is Psalm 118. And in Psalm 118, you have the very famous passage that says, the stone that the builders rejected, he has become the main cornerstone. And of course, we know about whom that speaks. It speaks about Yeshua. The other favorite uh, passage is uh, the next verse, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Or in Hebrew, it says, Baruch HaBabashenem Adonai. And I believe we all know where Jesus said that it was just a few days earlier before Passover. He was standing on the Mount of Olives overlooking Jerusalem. And he says, you won't see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Baruch means welcome. That's how you welcome people into your house. Jesus says, I will not come back until you welcome me back to that city. And I would say, let's just say this prayer together and uh, let's pray this to the Lord that he might come quickly. Let's pray, Baruch Haba B'Shem Adonai. And at the very end of the Passover Seder, um, probably the most famous passage in the entire Seder is recited. It says, Leshana Haba B'Yerushalayim. And... This little sentence kept alive for thousands of years the yearning and the dream of the Jewish people one day we come back to our homeland. And what a powerful statement that is to finish a Passover Seder, a prophetic statement that one day the Jewish people will come back to this land, will be fully restored. And with this, I wish you all a happy Passover. If you missed part... Well, I hope you felt a little bit a part of what is going on right uh, now in Israel. But of course, God wants to perform his mighty works, not just in Jerusalem, which he is doing. Again, when I was there, I met uh, Christians from here who have a real call to Egypt. And, you know, it is amazing what God is doing in Egypt. And even more astounding, do you know where there's a great revival taking place? In Iran. It is incredible. And of course, you know, for all these people, it's not just they'll be told off, but they could lose their lives, they'll lose their property, they'll be in prison, and so on. 
No one can stop God from moving. Hallelujah. <laughs> when God's spirit moves, God has a destiny. He has a destiny for a people. He's chosen Israel to be a light to the Gentiles. So many times they haven't been, and they've let that call down. But God hasn't let them down, because he's God. And above all, God is a covenant-keeping God. Now, when a covenant is made, it's not a contract. Today, contracts are just broken. They're made and they're broken. But when a covenant is made with God, God cannot break his covenant. And you, today, and for your household, you need to be in covenantal relationship with God. He who keeps Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps, but the same God of Israel, the God of Isaac and Jacob and Abraham, He's your God. This is our God forever. Hallelujah. And Jürgen then mentioned about the singing of those great hymns. It says hymns in the uh, translation that we use in our Bible. They went out to sing hymns. They went out singing these psalms. And the Lord went out knowing of his destiny that lay ahead. And he sang these hymns of praise even in the most difficult, the hardest of situations. Now I want to share just a little aspect today of this wonderful Passover time. And I want to share it with you because it culminates not just in the celebration of a feast, but it culminates in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in fact, I could, I'm not going to for one particular reason, but I've shown some of you this in the past. This book here, if you can't see it, it's called the Tanakh. Do you know what the Tanakh is? The Old Testament. Okay, arranged in a different order, but exactly the same words, same writers that you will have in your Bible in front of you. And it says that when people's eyes were opened, the first disciples, he preached the scriptures unto them. Now what scriptures did he preach? He preached from the Tanakh. He preached from the Old Testament because the New Testament wasn't written. So we can preach a message of salvation and hope of eternal return and deliverance just using the Tanakh. So I'm going to begin where the story of Passover begins, and that is in Exodus chapter 6. If you can pull that up for me, Joel, please. And in Exodus chapter 6, it says... Uh, we'll read from verse 5. And furthermore, I have heard the groanings of the sons of Israel, because the Egyptians are holding them in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant, 
Say therefore to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from their bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgment. And I will take you for my people. And you, I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Hallelujah. And these four I wills are symbolized in the four cups that are drunk at the Seder meal. Four cups. And each of the cups has a special name. Each of them representing one of those I wills. But just three chapters before that, God revealed his great, his holy and his awesome name. And what was that name? Anyone tell me? I am. Yahweh, holy name of God, which to this day no Jew will pronounce. They will use the word Adonai or Hashem, which literally translate the name. But this holy name of God, Yahweh, is translated I am, that I am. And God is speaking to us today and saying, I am what I am in your situation. And I will be what I will be for you. And today there are people here who rejoice. There are others who are sad. There's others in between. But God will be what he will be for you if you'll let him. But if you harden your heart, if you shut out God, if you let other voices come in, you'll never hear God speaking to you. You've got to say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And I want you to listen carefully to what I want to share with you now. And we take the first uh, I will. God is the I am. And because of the covenant relationship in verse 6, say to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians, the yoke of the Egyptians. And... These four cups that are drunk at that meal, just as you saw in that little Seder meal, obviously that was just a part of it. This is the cup of sanctification. To sanctify means to set apart. To set apart. If you want to follow God, you've got to be different to other people. You're not called to be the same. You have a different calling. As Rob said at the start... You have a different kingdom power inside of you. If you choose to walk in the darkness of the kingdoms of this world, then they will engulf you. But if you choose to walk in the kingdom of light and hope and truth and victory, then you will be a sanctified man or woman for God, set apart for God's use. Do you know that God wants to use you? God doesn't just use preachers. God uses you where you are. That you can invest in the kingdom of God. And God says, I will bring you out from this yoke, from this burden of the Egyptians. Now, if you remember the story where the children of Israel were imprisoned in Egypt, there was no hope for them. They were the lowest of the low. They were total slaves. 
They had no army. They had no rulers. There was nothing. They didn't even know their God at this time. But their God remembered them. And sometimes as that word came through before, you know, you have to go back before you can go forward. Sometimes you have to say, you know, I've really messed up. I need to go back to Shiloh. Shiloh was the place where the Ark of the Anointing was. And God speaks to our hearts and lives and God says he wants you to go back to the place, the crossroads, the place of the cross. And he wants you to become a sanctified person, come out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Egypt represents, in this sense, the world. It's everything about this world. It just keeps you enslaved. At first, it's very attractive, very nice. You're having a great time and so on. But then you realize, this thing has a hold on me. I need for this yoke to be broken off my life. I need to be set free. And I need to live for God. A brother who's well known to many here, I always remember him saying, I used to always lose my temper. And he said, one day I lost my temper. <laughs> Full stop. In other words, I was such an angry man. And then God sanctified me. Why do I want to be bitter or angry? Why do I want resentment to be paramount in my life? Jesus Christ has set me free. Those fantastic songs we sung before. Aren't they great, eh? Wonderful worship time. I'll sing of what my Redeemer has done for me. Jesus Christ has broken every yoke of bondage over your life. But you've got to learn how to apply that victory. It's no good just having a head knowledge. You've got to know this deep in your heart. And when you are free, the scripture says, prayed in the prayer meeting earlier, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You know, some people carry a tremendous burden. And there's no need for you to carry that burden. Some people proudly carry that burden. And I have a wonderful picture that someone gave to me. And it's of Christian and Pilgrim's progress coming to the cross and the burden just rolling off his back. Hallelujah. The Lord doesn't want you to be burdened down. He wants you to drink deeply of the cup of sanctification. He wants you to know that you are separated unto God. Now, you can put on a good show to other people, but you know who you'll never deceive. God looks on our hearts. And that's the first cup that is, that is drunk. That was the cup that Jesus drank with the disciples at the Last Supper. That was not the communion cup, by the way. And then it tells us our next cup. And it says, I will deliver you from the bondage and the cruel, it's gone. <laughs> I will deliver you from their bondage and their cruel slavery. 
to follow the Lord, you don't, it doesn't all happen at once. You become a baby in Christ. But you've got to learn how to grow, just as a child grows. And for us all, we need to know a deliverance from the powers of darkness. Now, I, I've got to say, I've seen some incredible deliverances in my life. Boy, I can remember one where this person being prayed for in the name of Jesus just took off like a snake between all the chairs and so on, but came up completely free and delivered. Hallelujah. And I'm still in touch with that person to this day, decades later. Now, deliverance mightn't be that dramatic. Depends sometimes what you've been into. Don't think that if you play with fire, you won't get burnt. Mm. Today, the occult is all, um, it, it's all glossed over, isn't it? It's very presentable, all this new agey stuff and so on. I tell you, the wages of sin is death. Doesn't matter, it hasn't changed. You might use different uh, language, different cultural expressions. But we need to know that we've been delivered from Egypt. That it doesn't have the pulls on your heart anymore. You don't want to go back into bondage. You want to walk into the glorious liberty that Christ has got for you. And so this is when the second cup was drunk. The cup of deliverance. Jesus, I thank you for what you saved me from. You know, people today, they think they're smart and they think they're clever when they blaspheme God and they mock God and they reject God and his holy laws. I tell you, one day you'll see who's the bigger fool. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And there's a lot of fools around. There's a lot of, well, some people say, you know, it's more education you need. Well, there's more educated fools that I've come across than humble people who will walk and love God. God wants you to come out of Egypt. He wants you to be delivered from the strongholds that the enemy has for you. And then the next cup, the third cup, which Jesus didn't drink, which we'll see later, but uh, you see it here, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. Now, God was speaking to a nation. He said, my outstretched arm. How can a nation be saved? One or two people. Again, I've come across people, wonderful people, who've brought persecuted Christians from under communism and out of the dominion of Islam and brought them to safety in the West. They've risked their own lives, but they've done it. But that's individuals, maybe groups. Can a nation be saved? Well, the Bible tells me two things. First of all, a nation had to be born in one day. And that's in Isaiah, at the end of Isaiah. Which again, where do you read it? You read it in the Tanakh, in the Old Testament. In one day, a nation was born. Now, leaving all the politics aside about Israel, I tell you, 
It's a mighty, mighty, amazing, incredible miracle that a nation could be born with thousands and thousands of enemies all around them just waiting to destroy them. But with a mighty deliverance, God delivered them. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And your eyes see it. You've no excuse to say, no, I don't, see, I don't see any miracles these days. I'm telling you, this is a miracle for an unbelieving world. And for you to go with me or with some of us to Israel, you will see what was a barren, deserted, desert land, not just blossoming, but absolutely flourishing. Now, is that the end of the story? Certainly not. Because whether you are a Jew, whether you are a Gentile, the one thing you need to be is born from above. There's no excuse. And God is doing some wonderful things in my lifetime. I've seen many Messianic fellowships start in Israel of true Jewish believers. Great. But it's still a small drop. So what is going to happen? I tell you what's going to happen. One day the Lord is going to return and the whole nation of Israel will be saved. Glory to God. <laughs> I tell you, I'll, I'll never preach again if it doesn't happen. But it's going to happen, so you better start preaching and telling people. This is the gospel truth. I'm only telling you what's in the book. People don't want to hear what's in the book. It's incredible. Incredible. The way my life has gone and the people I've mixed with, theologians and so on, and it's incredible how ignorant they are of God's word. They can tell me all about the philosophers and the philosophies, but they do not know the risen, resurrected Lord. So whether you're an academic or whether you're just a humble soul who struggles with reading or whatever, you need the power of God in your life. You must be born again to see these great truths. There was a prayer in the prayer meeting before for eyes to be opened and for legs to be healed. Now, I know there's physical healing but the spiritual healing that we need to rejoice and dance and claim our victory because that second cup as well actually is also called a cup of thanksgiving, a cup of rejoicing. But this third one, this is actually the communion cup. And this is where Jesus didn't drink of this cup. In fact, if we could go to Luke chapter 22, Please, Joel. Let me just read this to you. Let's just give some background first of all. Verse, uh, can we go to verse 15, please? He said, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. 
So there you are. This is Jesus doing the Pesach meal, the Seder meal. Um, I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And having taken a cup, like we're showing, when he'd given thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I'll not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And having taken some bread, when he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, The cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. The new covenant in my blood. This is what was achieved. This covenantal relationship where God promises that if you have come out of Egypt, if you are walking with him, that you accept that Jesus Christ's death and resurrection was a sacrifice for your sins. You are in a right covenantal relationship with him. To know your burdens have gone. To know that the power of God is in you. To know the call of God is directing you. And to know at the end of your days you will dwell in the house of the Lord for how long? Some of you believe that. <laughs> now look at this one. In, stay in Luke, please, Joel. 23, verse 36. The soldiers mocked him, coming up to him, offering him sour wine and saying, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. This was part of the bitter cup that he had to drink. It was mocking. It was ridiculing what actually Christ was doing, which was the cup of redemption, which he himself in his body had fulfilled. And then in Luke chapter 24, and verse 45, it says this, Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said, Thus it is written that Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name and all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. The cup that Jesus drank, the cup of redemption, and then the cup of suffering and victory for us, for you. The I wills, I will do this, said the Lord. I will bring you out. I will deliver you. I will set you free. And the final I will is, I will be your God and you will be my people. I will be your God and you will be my people. It's sealed. The cup's are sealed. There we are. I will take you as my own people. Are you a child or a daughter of God? Do you know that God is your God forever because you're in covenantal relationship with him? 
Do you know when you take that communion, you're reminding yourself of this covenant that you made with God. And there are people here, as we've heard, who've gone so far in the journey and then suddenly realized, I've blown it, I've taken a wrong step. I shouldn't be here. Well, today, what a wonderful day, a day of resurrection, a day of celebration of the power of God, where you can say to God, Lord, I want to get back on track. I don't want to be going in the wrong direction. I've got my life ahead of me, but I want to live my life in you and for you, for your honor, for your glory, for your name. And so this day can be a special day for you. And maybe now, people here who are resisting the call of God, who've got complacent, this is your day to say, I want to belong to God utterly and completely. Now, I'm not saying you will be like that priest that Yanni saw. I'm not saying that this is your last day. I hope you've got many days, many, many blessed days, but I don't know. But I do know this, that one day all of us will stand before God and give an account. And you know what I'll say? I'll say, Lord, I was just such a miserable, wretched sinner. I made so many mistakes and I failed so many times. I have so many regrets. This is God's honest truth. Except I will say, but I totally believe that your blood washed me, cleansed me, forgave me. And that Lord, because of your death, now my life is your life. My life is hid with Christ in God. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. People of God, I think there are people here today who need to make a dedication and a commitment back to the Lord. I invite you now to come out. I want to pray for people in the name of Jesus to enter into and renew that covenantal relationship with God. I want you to realize the resurrection power of the Lord is upon you. Please come quickly. Can the worship team come back, please? Unless you want to be prayed for, I don't want anyone to miss out. Come, don't, don't look at anyone else. Don't think about anything else. It's about you and Jesus. It's about you. You've missed the turning. You've gone past the point. You know you need to come back. You know you need to be in a place where God will bless you and meet with you. Thank you, Jesus. Come here, John. Let me pray for you. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you began a wonderful work in this life, Lord. Oh, God.